You have your Bibles and uh, you can turn with me. We're going to be jumping around a little bit through the Gospels, but let's go to Matthew uh, uh, this morning. We've been working our way through the Easter narrative and uh, lifting out important phrases, important concepts that have application to our lives and to uh, our experience as believers and followers. And we have already pointed out that today is Palm Sunday and it's, it's just natural that we talk about the importance of our praise. And uh, we, we often use our, our, our demeanor, our culture, our ethnic background, our denominational history to keep something of a, of a low profile when it comes to praise. We like to quite often think that as Canadians, as uh, people of reserve, that we, we, we're undercover agents for God, st- stiff upper lip, quiet, reserved, and as invisible as possible. I, I don't, I've got to, I'm on, I'm listening to myself here and it's driving me crazy, so we just shut that off and here we go. Um, we, we think of ourselves as, as somewhat conservative and, uh, and, and just like to be impo- in, invisible when it comes to, to worship and to praise. I, I come from a, a very conservative, reserved stock myself, and I, I thought that the best stance in worship was to stand something like this, your arms folded, your feet at about uh, shoulder length apart, and uh, uh, your head on swivel so that you can just keep an eye on everything that's going on, making sure that nothing weird breaks out. Just watch and pray, watch and pray. And, uh, and be as quiet as possible so that not even your neighbor who's standing right beside you would be wiser to the fact as to whether you can sing well or not. You just, come and remind me, just... Come and remind me, you know, and, 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 and a whole lot of personal difficulty and some trauma that shook me to my very core and upended my world. And, and I had a life-changing encounter after that with Jesus, and it made me understand that I wasn't an undercover agent for God but a person who with his praise and with the declarations that come out of my mouth could shift an atmosphere, a person who could alter history, a person who would both welcome and honor the presence and power of God into difficult circumstances and situations. I now refuse to be disconnected. I now refuse to be reserved, to be a silent witness and worshiper. I will always be a passionate, demonstrative, obedient, responsive worshiper. Let me give you a little bit of of background to this fabulous story that we're going to study this morning. Jesus has been in Jericho when he gets word that his Good friend Lazarus is very sick, and when he arrives, he discovers that Lazarus is dead and has been buried for three days, and, and he goes to the tomb, and he calls for Lazarus to come, come out, and, and Lazarus returns from the dead after being buried for three days. And this miracle was the talk of the pilgrims who were making their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover uh, this, this week. 
Up, up until this period of time, Jesus had kept who he was, his, his divine identity as Messiah under wraps. At events like the feeding of the 5,000, he, he would say to the people, say nothing to anyone about what you've seen, what you've experienced. It's not yet time for me to be identified or, or my identity to be announced. However, with the raising of Lazarus and with his death just days away, that time was coming very close where he would be revealed. There, there was a prophetic postcard that God gave to Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9, verse, verse 10, 9 to 10. It, it's a 500-year-old it's a picture that God wanted his people to have in their hands so that they would recognize the moment. They would recognize the arrival of the Messiah. It reads this way. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph. O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming. He's coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble. He, he's riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colts. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons that are used in battle. And your king will bring you peace and bring peace to the nations. And his realm will stretch from sea to sea. The, the picture was clear. Israel will shout, shout with triumph. And as the king comes into Jerusalem, not riding on a horse of war, not wearing a crown, not carrying a, a, a sword, he will be humble. He will be a ruler on just the beast of burden. And that's what Israel has been looking for, for the fulfillment of that postcard, that prophetic postcard that they have had in their hands and in the front of their minds for five centuries. Israel is a, is a nation in waiting, and, and the waiting is about to come to an end. However, at this particular Passover, the, the religious people that were giving leadership to, to the synagogue and to the nation were, were nervous about Jesus. They were hearing that his popularity was on the rise and that the crowds that gathered to listen to him day by day were growing in number. And, and they were worried about that. They, they, they were just thinking, listen, we've got to grab him before he gets on the stage. We need to pull him off, hide him, and kill him as soon as possible. Listen to the words of John chapter 11, verse 20, 57. Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately. This was, a, this was a, a message sent out to all the people. Must report it immediately so that they could arrest him. John goes on in the next chapter, chapter 12, to say that when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival in the area for the Passover, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. And then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and their teaching and had believed in Jesus. They were irritated. 
They were thinking, if we don't stop this immediately, we're going to lose it all. And, and it's important for you to understand and remember that, that we, you and I, are not living in a spiritual vacuum. We live in a spiritual war zone. There is an angry, hateful, militant, destructive, murderous, evil force that's enraged by all that Jesus is and all that he stands for and has purpose to wipe Christ out of the memory drives of every one of us. You need to understand there is a devil that has vowed to destroy the church and to discredit and silence the testimony of his people that says Jesus is Lord and Jesus has changed my life and is changing my life even now today. Anyone and everyone who stands up, anyone and everyone who declares praise is at risk of facing tensions, facing opposition. For that reason and that reason alone, we need to remember that staying silent isn't an option. It's not an option. Lazarus was telling of how he had been so sick and how he had died and how Jesus had brought him back to life and that what Christ had done for him, he could do for you as well. And religious men controlled by evil had decided that Lazarus too had to die so that he could not convert anyone else to the word of faith and testimony in Jesus. It had been decided to arrest Jesus and to hide him, to silence him, and the crowds would forget who he was and what he had said. Staying silent is not an option. Reserve and silence is a win in the enemy's strategy. Staying silent is not an option. There's a plan in place to keep things so tense, so busy, so chaotic, so full of pressure that our fears and our anxieties will keep us stuck in reserve. A a plan to have us paused on silence. To keep us from declaring the truth about who Jesus is. About the joy of who he is to us and the power that's at work when Jesus is present. The psalmist in his songs constantly urges, pushes, invites us to, as believers to stand up and to sound off as to who God is at this moment in our experience and our walk with him. The psalmist says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them speak it out. Let them declare what they have found. Praise him with a blast of the trumpet. Praise him with the stringed instruments. Praise him with the tambourine and the dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praise to the Lord. I'm inviting you, I'm I'm instructing you, don't be intimidated into silence. Open up your mouth, declare the praises of God. Praise is how we fight this battle. let, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's the instruction that God has for us. Do you have breath? Then you need to open up your mouth. You need to declare, you need to praise. Jesus has been staying just east of the city of Jerusalem. 
And he instructs two of his disciples to, to make their way toward Jerusalem. And at a certain place, they'll find a, a, a donkey with its colt tied up. And if they're stopped in untying the colt, just say, the Lord has need of it. And, and so there is no problem at all. The animals are released and they're brought to Jesus. And consciously and with intent, Jesus sits on the colt. Jesus sits just as the prophetic postcard 500 years before had said that, it that he would. And he starts to ride into the capital as a fulfillment of that prophetic postcard. We read Zechariah. Now we're going to read Matthew who says, This took place, this ride into town took place to fulfill that which was said. Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming. He's coming to you. He's humble. He's riding on a, on a donkey. He's riding on the donkey's colts. Just as it had been predicted five centuries before. As soon as the people saw this colt carrying Jesus, they knew what he was saying. He, they knew that he was saying, I am the Messiah. Here comes your king. Here he comes. He's humble. He's not riding a white horse, but he's sitting on a colt. And they've been speaking in the synagogues for centuries that the Messiah would come exactly this way. The way that Jesus was revealing both his identity and his divine mission. I am your king. I am your king. In every situation... In every situation, in every difficulty of life, there is a prophetic postcard somewhere in Scripture that reveals the identity of Jesus for us for that specific situation. When we're feeling lost, when we're feeling isolated and alone and uncared for, we're told that he is our good shepherd that provides for us, that protects us, that guides us to places of rest and provision. When we're sick, he stands up and he declares, I am your healer. When there's situations of fear and chaos, he says, listen, I am your peace. In moments of want and shortage, he says, behold, Jehovah Jireh, the God that is more than enough. In dark moments when death threatens, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. Uh, to every situation of life, there's a prophetic postcard in our hand that reminds us that we are not alone. That reminds us that he's all that we need. That reminds us we only have to stand and declare and believe in the revelation of who he is and what he's like. John chapter 12 verse 12 or John chapter 12 verse 1 The next day the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city and a large crowd of Passover uh, Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him I I love this picture The people from the far-flung territories of of Israel had heard and experienced Jesus visiting and passing through their own hometowns and villages. And they were familiar with him and they were looking forward to, to seeing Jesus again. 
And there was a lot of talk among the people coming down from the Galilee or coming up from Jericho about what the teacher would say, what the man from Nazareth would do at this particular feast and festival. Word filtered out to the travelers that Jesus had brought a man back from death back to life just a few days before. And, and the pilgrims were thinking that this is going to be a very special and spectacular Passover. Because Jesus had stayed out of Jerusalem for quite a bit of his ministry, the local citizens of Jerusalem were asking the question, I don't know who this Jesus is. I don't know much about him. Who is he? What is the excitement that surrounds him all about? They were not as well acquainted with his teaching or his miracles. But, but when the news breaks that Jesus has been spotted outside the city, coming toward the city, making his way into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, there's this euphoric excitement that sweeps the city up. And, and the crowd starts to gather outside the gates. And, and we're told that they get two kinds of props ready to welcome this newly self-proclaimed king. We're told that they climb up the trees and start to strip off the, the fronds, off the palms. Now, this is a prairie frond, obviously. It's not very big. It's, it's, it's only minus two outside, so we can't grow them big. But there, they have big ones, and they're, more, you know, they're, they're, they're giant. It takes both arms to wave them. And, and the other thing that they do is they, they took their, their cloaks, their, their jackets, their coats, and they went out to meet him. And they, 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 they just knew that this was important. And, and the excitement was so great that they would not think to go out empty-handed. This was the day, a day of promise, the day that a prophecy would be fulfilled. This was an occasion when tyranny was about to end. And, and they wanted to be involved. They wanted to be personally invested in the celebration. And so they take their coats and they start to lay them out as, as carpets of honor. They didn't have a red carpet, but they wanted him to know, you're welcomed here. We're excited, just as the prophet had said. We're, we see our king coming. Welcome. We, we've waited for you for so long. And, and, they, and they took the fronds and they started to wave them as, as flags before him. This is, a, this is a red letter day. This is an important time in the history of our, of our nation. We're welcoming you. We're, we, we, these are banners. They're like flags. Here comes the king to his capital. If you go to a castle or to a nation, when the monarch is present, the flag is flying. And they're saying, our king has arrived. He's here. I, I want you to understand... I want you to catch the understanding that it wasn't a polite little crowd standing with their feet shoulder length apart, width apart, holding hands and just looking, swiveling. These, these people, they, they were invested. I, I want to draw two pictures from our, our local culture. If you, we have, none of us have been to a parade, a stampede parade for two summers. But if you go down to the stampede parade, there's, there's a few on the sidelines who are taking off their hat and waving it and yahooing every once in a while. 
But, but most people are sitting in their lawn chair just watching and maybe leaning over and critiquing whatever's in front of them quietly. And if they really appreciate it, maybe a nice little patty clap, you know. That, that, that's the stampede parade. You're, you're there to view. You're not there to participate. However, if one of our teams, one of our professional sports teams wins a championship, then things change altogether. Out comes the face paint. Uh, there's, there's plastic horns that, you know, blow and, and make noise. There's, there's team jerseys and there are foam number one. We're number one fingers that come out. And, and there's celebration going on. We're on the red mile. We're shouting. We're, we're, we're celebrating. The professional or the processional is that we are choosing to assume a very assertive, demonstrative posture. When I read this account, I see that they weren't at the parade, they were celebrating. I, when, when I read this account, I, I go to 2 Samuel. One of the highlights of David's reign was when he was able to bring back the, the Ark of the Covenant the, 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 that bears not only the name of the Lord, but carried on it the presence of the enthroned God of Israel. And, and, and it had been absent for quite some time. And, and now David is moving it back. And he has taken not a few soldiers, but he's taken 30,000 elite troops and the priests to bring it back to its rightful resting place. And, and it's an outstanding moment of, of joy and delight. And the text says that David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing and playing all types of musical instruments, lyres and harps, tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And as the ark comes towards David, or towards Jerusalem, David the king danced before the Lord with all of his might. Not just, you know, a little two-step, he, with all of his might, with all of his enthusiasm, he danced before the Lord with all his might, and the crowds were responding with shouts of joy and, and blowing ram's horns. And, and David's wife, who is also Saul's daughter, looks out her window, and she sees David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she just didn't say, oh, that's my husband. She said, I'm angry. How can you act like that? She was angry and filled with contempt for David. And when David got home, his wife mocked him. You, you weren't very distinguished out there today. You didn't have a statesman-like stance as you danced shamelessly out there like a vulgar person rather than the king of Israel. And the answer that David gave was forceful. It was intentional. I was dancing before the Lord who chose me and appointed me the leader of Israel and the people of the Lord. And so I celebrated with abandon. And you should know that I will be happy to look even more undignified, even more foolish than this. As the leader of a nation, I will not hold anything back when it comes to celebrating my God. The, the, the text says 
And, and this isn't a blanket statement. This is a personal insight. The text says that Saul's daughter, David's wife, who wouldn't be a part of the celebration, would, would not let go of her quiet, reserved ways, remained childless throughout her entire life. Something in her on that day died because she would not participate. To be silent, to know the grace, to experience the mercy of God, and to be silent is to lose something that God intended to deliver to you through your praise. It's important that we understand that. I am a worshiper. I will lift up my hands. I will lift up my voice. I will lift up my eyes and my heart to the Lord, the King of heaven and earth. I will assume a demonstrative posture of praise and and tell of His loving kindness and His faithfulness. I will declare with all of my heart and with all of my full voice that He is my King and that I am well cared for. I'm a subject of His marvelous kingdom and I'm well cared for. I choose to bless the Lord at all times and find that his praise is continually in my mouth. I can't be silent. He's been too good to me. I can't be still because his mercy and his grace comes fiercely after me. Praise is my weapon of, of choice. When I fight this battle, it brings light to any darkness that I find myself in. It releases hope when all I can see with my natural eyes is chaos. It brings life to the dead and to the dying parts of my situation. It's not based on what I feel, but on what God has said. It's not driven by what I see. It's motivated by who He is and what He's promised to me. We're the whole realm of nature mind. That would be a gift that's too small still. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. I choose to be a passionate, motivated worshiper. I choose to be engaged when I'm in His presence. On top of the carpet of welcome and the the palm branches of celebration, there is a lot of declaration that's going on. In the Psalms, there are about 15 songs that are set aside for traveling to feasts in Jerusalem and home from feasts. Those same songs are sung as they make their way up into the temple courts. They take two steps and they sing a psalm. They take another two steps, they sing another song. And and these songs were written to to get the hearts into unity with one another and into a preparation and bringing into alignment my heart with the purpose and, and heart of God. They're Psalms 120 through 134, the songs of ascent, the songs of going up to the to the house of God. And so as as Jesus is coming close to the city, the crowds grow. And, and so there were people that were in front of him. And there were people that were behind him. And the scripture says that he was in the center of this procession. 
And people were singing and shouting words from one of these songs of ascent. Matthew chapter 21, verse 9. Jesus was at the center of the procession and the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest places in heaven. There are indications that that people were holding an informal, impromptu coronation as he's making his way into the city. Blessings on, on one who comes in the name of the Lord. There, there's this understanding as you read and as you study this particular, particular portion of Scripture that there was this relatable um, back and forth that was going on, that a song that was sung respon- responsively. The, the people at the front of the procession would shout, Praise God, the Son of David. And the people at the back, yes, we praise the son of David. And it would go back and forth. It it, it was an amazing thing. Blessing on the one who comes in the name and the authority. And with the highest rank that heaven can bestow. Blessings on him. Yes, you're the one who's been sent by our God. Praise God in the highest heaven. Here comes our king. One of the words that is used and used frequently through this this part of the story is the word Hosanna. Uh, Up until this moment, it had been a pain-filled prayer that would be used as a petition. Oh God, save us. Oh Lord, send us a rescuer. But now it evolves from this prayer-filled word of pain and petition. And it, it evolves into a word of praise, a, a word that now isn't a petition, but is an exclamation of, Hallelujah, here comes our King. Here He is to save us. It's so important that you see the power that praise has in this situation. John chapter 12 verse 19 declares that the Pharisees, the the, the ones who are actively looking to arrest and kill Jesus, are in the midst of the strong declaration of Jesus and who he is. Here comes our king, heaven's answer to our plight. And they say to one another, get, get this point, they say to one another, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. The the word everyone could be translated this way. Look, the whole world has gone after him. We're outnumbered. We've lost the battle. We We can't win. You see, praise shifts the balance of power. Just when evil looks like it will triumph, there comes a song of praise. Just when it looks like darkness is about to extinguish the light and be triumphant, there surfaces this word, this this shout. It it might start as a quiet prayer that, that, that starts to gain momentum and strength, but as Jesus is revealed and the truth comes to light, strength is added and there is a release, there is a shift of the balance of power. It looks like evil has the upper hand. But look, the world has gone after him. We've lost the battle, the powers of darkness say. Praise shifts atmospheres. Praise shifts atmospheres. Praise changes history. 
Praise releases God to stand up and to bear his arm and to show his might. Praise is a weapon of victorious warfare. Praise makes the enemy uncomfortable and unsure as to what is going to happen next. I, I sometimes, I understand that you come from all sorts of backgrounds and that you arrive on a Sunday morning. Maybe you've had a rough Sunday, Saturday night. Maybe you didn't get much sleep. And, and, and I understand as the worship leaders are leading that there's just sort of a, you're, you're lucky I'm here. <laughs> you're, you're lucky that I'm even standing. If my body had have got a vote, I would have been in bed still. But you know, that, that doesn't frighten the enemy. The enemy is frightened and thrown into chaos when we lift up our hands and we start to worship. He doesn't know what to do with that. Oh no, the world is gone to Jesus. We've lost. Wouldn't, isn't that a better thing than people saying, oh no, the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. You know, like we have that kind of power in our praise. Luke chapter 19, verse 39. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd went to Jesus and said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that, for, for declaring that you're the king. If you're in doubt about the power of praise, watch the reaction that comes whenever the name of Jesus is lifted up. Ask a worship leader. Ask a worship leader about the opposition, about the interruption and the attempts that are made to disrupt and push through into the presence of God. Ask how often they wake up with a throbbing headache or with a, a sore throat. How if it's not their car that won't start, how it's trouble with the equipment that malfunctions once they get here or how an attitude has to be taken down and has to be adjusted so that they have the authority to walk in and push us into worship. Hell hates praise. You may walk in, in and love the sound you hear and the words that are sung, but you will not understand the war that was waged to create the atmosphere where God is big and the devil is belittled and reduced to his rightful size and problems made a manageable size until God is revealed in our worship and in our praise. You won't get it until you move from spectator to participant. Church, it's time to stop being undercover followers of Jesus and to jump in and to push and to battle, to lift the name that is above every name, the name that is only given for the salvation of man, to make it known throughout the earth. The, the, the official re religious opposition comes to Jesus and demands that he stop his followers from saying that he's the king. That he's been sent by the God of heaven. That he has come to save his people. Make them stop and make it stop now. And the official reason that's given is that it won't go over well with the Roman occupying army. If, if, if we're not careful, if we don't make this, this thing quit, then they will become anxious and they'll ride in here and they'll quell the perceived uprising. But in none of the four Gospels are the Romans even mentioned at the, at the parade that's coming into town. They, they, they are not worried about Jesus. They're not worried about the victorious procession that's coming into the city. It, it, it's these men that are owned and operated by the prince of power of the air, and they're concerned. 
If, if this continues, if this praise isn't stifled, there's no way that we'll be able to, to have victory over Jesus. We will not get him to the cross. We will not silence his voice. We will not overrule his reign. And the whole world will become with him. When the name of Jesus is mentioned, when the name of Jesus is praised, demons tremble. James writes about it in James chapter 2. You say you believe in God? Well, good for you. Even the demons believe in God. They shudder in fear at the understanding of who he is. James goes on in chapter 4. Submit yourself to God because when you're under his authority, when you're under his protection, you can resist the devil and the devil will flee in the opposite direction. You possess no greater weapon than the powerful name of Jesus when it comes out of your mouth in praise. Things happen when you lift up that name. Make these followers stop saying, stop praising you in this way. And Jesus says something very, very important. He says, listen, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road, will burst forth into cheers. If, if this people is silenced, if they sit in reserve, if they, they sit, then the power of God will sweep through this place and give stones the ability to declare and to announce the truth about who I am in this place. Jesus is who he is, and our praise doesn't increase his power or his authority and ability. Our praise aligns our hearts and our minds with truth. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I am leaving with you a gift of peace, a peace of mind, a peace of heart, and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled, don't be afraid. That's what happens. It, it brings our heart, our mind into alliance and into alignment with Jesus. Please remind us of, of who God is and, and allows us to open up the doors, the gates to our lives and the fullness of who he is. That's what praise does. Open up, you ancient gates. Open up, you ancient doors. Let the king of glory enter. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Open up, ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors. And let the king of glory enter. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of heaven's army. He is the king of glory. You know, I, I'm starting to think that maybe there's some spiritual problems here because if you were really into it, you'd be up there with, you know, <laughs> thank you. Open up the gates. Open up the doors. If you don't take the, the time to, to decide and to declare who Jesus is, then supernaturally, God will give inanimate objects the joy, give them the delight of making that announcement. I, I choose. I choose to live and enjoy the smile of God's favor and, and blessing by announcing the glory and the power of God myself. Despite the opposition, despite the anger that's riled up in the, in the kingdom of darkness, because... My king, the king of heaven, is much greater than the prince who illegitimately holds sway over certain sectors of the road right now. This is how we fight our battles. This is 
the power that is in our praise. Debbie, will you come? Catherine, will you come? Every time we come together as a congregation, there's a tension, there's, there's an opposition that is stirred up by the enemy of our God. Sometimes, it's masquerading as an apathy. An apathy that says, don't go today. You're tired. You've been under some strain this week. They, they, they borrow from McDonald's and say, you deserve a break today. So go back to sleep today. That's not what we've been called to do. Sometimes it's confusion over our priorities. Everything, everyone seems to be more important than gathering together with the saints. Gathering together and raising our hands and raising some praise to demean the powers that tell lies about who we are and how strong they are. Hebrews says, don't quit getting together and praising and battling together, especially as you see the day of my return coming closer and closer. Sometimes it's unbelief. Unbelief that our voice, our involvement, our investment can't make a difference. The enemy will all, almost always say to you, it doesn't really matter if you're there, not there. Nobody will miss you. You're not that important. I want you to remember, he's the father of lies. He can't put a sentence together without it being twisted into something that's not true. Sometimes it's, it's an attempt to divide us because a house that's divided cannot stand. And it's about time that we made it clear to every power and every principality that the world, the whole world is with him and he is our king. That one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And just imagine how the enemy will hate that moment. But he won't be able to look around because his knee will be bent and his tongue will be confessing. Every time we come together, there's a tension, there's an opposition. So knowing that, I get up early on a Sunday morning and I start to seek out a prophetic revelation that is relevant, that's history-making for this day, for this time when we come together. Today it's this, praise is the weapon of our warfare. Praise shifts atmospheres. Praise changes histories, softens hearts, welcomes the presence and the power of Jesus, creates opportunity for Jesus to do anything and everything. Praise. And that's my prophetic revelation for today. Praise changes outcomes. And then I get into a place of readiness. I, I get into a posture of participation, of not being a spectator, of, of not just watching, but of participating, of obeying Scripture. Let worshipers raise up holy hands without doubt or wrath. 
Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord praises to his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all of his people. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, watches over you, watches over me, will not slumber or sleep. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Let us praise his name. I refuse to allow my voice to be silenced. I will not allow my reserve to dominate. My fear and my anxiety to squeeze faith. My passivity to keep me from being a co-creator with God in bringing the kingdom of God to earth. I will stand with the authority of heaven and I will declare, kingdom of God come. Will of God be done in this place here today as it is in heaven. I anticipate opposition and interference, but I refuse to be stopped. The scripture says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right moment, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. If we don't give up, I refuse to give up. I believe in the unstoppable power of praise. I, I believe that I can raise the temperature of the atmosphere and the location where I'm parked by being committed, being devoted, and demonstrative as a worshiper. I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of your mar the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Stand with me. Your praise, your praise can break strongholds. Your praise can set captives free. Your praise can usher in healing. Your praise can send forth miracles, can prepare the way for the Holy One to enter into a situation. As, as you live Lift your voice today in praise. God is fighting on your behalf. Don't allow the enemy to silence you. Don't allow your praise to be stilled. Your praise is a weapon, is a weapon. And in just a moment, we're going to have an altar call, but I want, to, I want us to warm up.